may be seated. You know, I don't know if you process it when uh, we at times stand where the hymn directs us, where we call upon the name of our triune God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. I just love the sense that we still understand there is a place and an appropriateness for reverence. And not only that, but maybe you even noted that today it is a Sunday, listen to the preposition, in Lent, that we sang, this is the feast, and yes, the word Alleluia was there. And we'll talk a little bit more about that. But our worship is meant to be filled with both praise and celebration, but our worship is also meant to be filled with awe and wonder and reverence as we come before a holy, a righteous, and a loving God. May he bless us as we gather in his presence again today. Life for all. But uh, I have a feeling that's often not what's really on our minds. And why do I say this? Because I kind of know myself. One of the great sins that we, God's people, deal with is that of selfishness. That the majority, 90 plus percent of the decisions we are making, let's be honest, are made about us. Our ideas, our wants, our desires, our hopes, our plans, our best interest. And I think even as we are journeying through uh, this Lenten season, many of us then are, are focused, you know, again on self. It's appropriate, but self as in our shortcomings, our brokenness, our sin our need. Lent is uh, about us being dead in our trespasses and in our sins. And yet before we get bogged down uh, looking again at the fact that we are but poor, miserable sinners, let us also then remember that today is Sunday. Luther had a, a, a lot to say. It's why there were more than 60 volumes of his writing, but sometimes some of the briefest things he said carry a powerful and a wonderful message, such as, every Sunday is a little Easter. What a great thought. When you walk in here to worship your God, to come before the altar of our God, to stand before you know, the cross that again reminds us of what Christ has done, remember that it's past tense. It's been done. The victory's been won. So we gather, in a sense, every Sunday, and we worship celebrating the resurrection and the life that is offered for all through Christ. Having uh, lived in uh, St. Louis for a few years while at the seminary, then beginning our ministry in Nashville, we encountered a number of times when the storm warnings would go off, telling us about you know, a tornado watch or warning, and 
and maybe you've been here long enough, but there are times when those fronts go through and we too also have those warnings, just no, you know, sirens outside that tell us, you know, take cover, stay inside, get in a hall where there are no windows. Well, with the eruption of the volcano last summer in Hawaii and our family trip that we took there, I began to take a little bit of a, an interest or had a sense of fascination over the unique warnings that accompany such a rare event, that of the eruption of the um, volcano. See, never before had I really paid attention or, or noted that there is a warning called a VOG, V-O-G warning. That's about sulfur dioxide mixed with volcanic ash. And then there's this laze haze. That's when the um, uh, lava hits the cool seawater and it gives off this gas. You see, breathing this stuff in that, and the byproducts that come out of the volcano can truly be deadly. But isn't it interesting how few people take the warning? As interesting and frightening as these warnings are, there is nothing compared to the warning that went through the southeast town of Lake Worth, Florida, about a year and a half ago. If you had been up at 1.41 a.m. Sunday morning, May 20th, 2018, this is what you would have heard, or if you saw it going across the TV, this is what you would have read. Power outage and zombie alert for residents of Lake Worth. This is true now. There are now far less than 7,380 customers involved due to extreme zombie activity. Restoration time, uncertain. A real event. City officials were soon scrambling to reassure the citizens that everything was just fine, but sadly, those reassurances didn't seem so reassuring. One public information officer said this, we are looking into the reports that the system mentions zombies. I want to reiterate, Lake Worth does not have any zombie activity currently and apologize for the system message. Huh. Well, as far as the uh, news reports went, there was not... Uh, um, uh, a multitude of people who took to the streets to defend themselves, nor did any take emergency action to call family members to warn them or to say their final goodbyes. In truth, nothing much really happened at all. Possibly nothing happened because the people of Lake Worth, they don't take zombies very seriously. Unfortunately, many of us Many people treat the Lord's warnings with that same attitude of disregard or no concern. When the Lord says the wages of sin is death, they act as if, well, God's not speaking to me. When the Lord warns that the soul that sins will die, many of us ignore that warning and continue in our sin as if we've developed some immunity from sin's consequences. Well, my dear friends, the book of Romans 
that we have read from this morning and we will hear from again in this season, many of us ignore the warning and we continue in our sin. Romans 3 says, As it is written, there is no one righteous, not even one. There is no one who understands. There is no one who seeks God. All have turned away. They have together become worthless. There is no one who does good, not even one. And the book continues to go on to confront sin head on. Romans 3.23, there is no difference between Jew and Gentile, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. And in this foundational book of the New Testament, this foundational book of our Christian faith, God's law is clearly preached to us. The inspired Word of God through the servant Paul shows us our sin. This law that we Lutherans are so well known for that balance between law and gospel, our failure, our shortcomings, our sin, and God's provision through the grace of Him and His Son, Jesus Christ. But the law that we are so familiar with convicts us of living outside of the will of God, and it condemns us. This law, it reveals our dire need. But please know this, we're not all alone. All of us are in the same boat. All are enemies of God. Yes, there is no one who is found right, no one who is found righteous in the eyes of God. By their own doing, they fall, fall short. Well, Paul's first approach in this is addressing the very real examples of how we sin or we fall short. Here are a few examples. In chapter 1, verse 18, we are but men who suppress the truth by their wickedness. Verse 21 of chapter 1, they neither glorified him as God nor gave thanks to him, and their hearts were hardened. Verse 22, they exchanged the glory of God for images made by the hands of men. Verses 29 through 32, they have become filled with every kind of wickedness, evil, greed, and depravity. They are full of envy, murder, strife, deceit, and malice. They are gossipers, slanderers, God-haters, insolent, arrogant, boastful. They invent ways of doing evil. They disobey their parents. They have no understanding, no fidelity, no love, no mercy, Although they know God's righteous decree that those who do such things deserve death, they not only continue to do these very things, but also approve of those who practice them. In short, these are our sins of thought, word, and deed. They are what we actually do. But then Paul goes beyond then the actual sins of commission that you know, are part of our lives, but he goes on to uh, a further approach to this, kind of like Dr. Ray Martins. He was the president of Concordia University while Martha and I attended there. And I used to almost wait to count how many different ways he would present 
what the theme of his sermon was. And I once asked him, he said, James, my approach is that I will give a, a number of examples hoping one of those will resonate with the hearer. Maybe that's a little bit of what Paul's doing. Because in these lists of sins that have been put out, maybe somehow you're saying, well, that's not really me. Well, then try this one on. From Romans 5, here Paul addresses the sin in our lives that we inherited through Adam. 5.12 says, Therefore, just as sin entered the world through one man, and death through sin, and in this way death came to all people because all sin. Truth is, this is, this is hard for us to, to grasp. It's hard for us to somehow accept that we would inherit the consequences of our forefathers' sin. And yet even genetics seem to help me understand this. I inherited from my parents some, you know, pretty good traits. Strong bones, strong teeth. I had an implant about two years ago. My dentist said, you've got the hardest bone that I've ever worked on. After it took him almost three hours to get out that tooth. Other good traits that I would claim is that of a, a, a big smile and, to some extent, intellect, although there might be a little argument on that one. But at the same time, I also inherited a tendency toward high blood pressure that I've had since about the time I've been 30, high cholesterol that my dad fought all the way until he was 90. And those I manage with weight control and a little exercise and some medication. The reality is they are always there. And I can just say thanks, Mom and Dad. Yes, all people. All of us are under God's law and we are guilty as charged. And yet in love, the Lord still gives warning. He confronts us with the law and the reality of our sin and our need. Yes, God does not leave us there in our sin. Romans 5.8 says, But God demonstrates His own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Here's the gospel. Here's the good news. Here is the message of hope that we need. Listen now to Romans 5, 9 through 11, right before today's reading. Since we have now been justified by His blood, how much more shall we be saved from God's wrath through Him? For if while we were God's enemies, we were reconciled to Him through the death of His Son, how much more, having been reconciled, shall we be saved through His life? And not only is this so, but we also boast in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have now received reconciliation. Yes, my friends. Sin and death came through one man, Adam, and it has been passed down. However, through Christ, there is life for all. Listen to verse 15 of our reading. But the gift is not like the trespass, 
For if the many died by the trespass of the one man, how much more did God's grace and the gift that came by the grace of the one man, Jesus Christ, overflow to the many? Overflow. I love that word as it is given to us here. Grace overflowing. Abundant grace, unceasing grace, undeserved grace, that they may have life. That's what Jesus came for. It is He who is the way, the truth, and the life. He came to breathe life back into you and me and all people. He came to give life for all. For as the Lord says in Romans 1.16, I am not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God for the salvation of everyone who believes. For you. For me. For all. Amen.